Hello, and welcome to Meet the Chargers. I'm Ethan Cardona. I'm a communications major here at the University of New Haven with a double minor in sport communication and marketing. Since the fall of my freshman year, I've wanted to create Meet the Chargers, and with the help of John Mays, Director of Athletics Shane Zanger, Dan Rudy, and Bruce Barber, Meet the Chargers has come to life. Since I started here at the university, I've met plenty of student athletes, most of them my close friends, and in my residence hall, living with them and interacting with them every day, I've learned that each has their own unique and special story. With that, on Meet the Chargers, I'll sit down in each episode with one of our incredible student athletes and learn about their lives on their teams and their lives off the field and what makes them who they are. This is Meet the Chargers. Welcome in to season one, episode one of Meet the Chargers. I'm Ethan Cardona, and I'm here with Gabriela Garcia Perez, class of 2024, and a member of the women's soccer team. How are you, Gabriela? I'm good, how are you, thank you. Good, so um, tell us just a little bit about you, your major, you know, your background, where you're from, and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned before, my name is Gabriela Garcia Perez, and I'm from Guilford, Connecticut, which is about 20 minutes away from campus. Um, so I am right now a business management major and I'm participating in the 3 plus 1 program okay. so I'll be able to get my, my master's within my four years. Um, I decided to really come to the University of New Haven for many different reasons. Um, one of them being the fact that the soccer team was very, very welcoming and the coach, the, really, the dynamic that the team possessed was very positive and the coach was always very willing to reach out. And actually something that really stood out for me was the fact that when I did have my interview with the coach initially, um, she gave me a position right then and there at that interview. And she said that regardless of what happened to me during the summer or if any injuries were to happen, um, I would always have a spot on the team. So that in and of itself really felt like a sign for me to really come here. And it was a good way for me to continue my academic and my academics as well as my soccer career. So. You know, you had the idea, you had that guaranteed spot. So were there other schools that you were looking at, or was New Haven kind of the place since you're so close to the university? Um, so I really limited my selection within Connecticut just because I did want to stay close to home. I did want the option of my parents coming to watch me play as um, my family is very important to me, and I really wanted them to, to be around. And I was still not um, decided on whether or not I was going to be a commuter or not. Ultimately, because of COVID, um, I did decide to be a commuter. Um, and there are some difficulties in that, but it's working out right now. Um, that's sort of the gist of that. Um, okay, so um, you decided to be a commuter, obviously, and we'll touch on COVID throughout this because yeah. it's just a crazy way to spend your, um, your first year here. Right. But um, I guess I'll throw a hypothetical question in there, yeah. but if COVID weren't to happen, mm -hmm. would that have affected your decision of living on campus? Um, probably. I did want to at least have a year where I would get the college experience, and yeah. then after that year, I would decide to stay home. Okay. Um, but there were a lot of different factors in that, whether or not I was getting enough scholarship money or um, if I could raise enough money like working during the summer. So obviously, I did want to stay, but yeah. at the end of the day, that's not what happened, which is okay. Okay. So let's take it way back okay. to when you first picked up a soccer ball. Uh -huh. When was that and what was that experience like for you? Okay, so I grew up in East Haven in okay. my elementary years. So um, soccer started at a very young age. I come from a very big soccer family. My dad is um, a coach 
and he's, his main job is an engineer, but he actually played at the University of New Haven on the oh. men's soccer team. And so I always had that big influence of soccer within my family, and he's originally from Ecuador, my mom from Colombia, so obviously with the Latin roots, yeah. it originates there with soccer. But um, I started out with um, just town clubs, and that's something I think very important to mention, just because I didn't do Premier, which is usually what um, many people do at a very young age. I didn't do Premier until the start of high school. Okay. So I was always very involved within my clubs um, within the town. So I obviously started in East Haven, um, then I moved to Guilford in sixth grade. And I was met with a bunch of really great girls and coach um, David Ibarra was my um, first coach in Guilford and my dad was the assistant coach. So it started there where my dad started coaching. And then eventually he got very, very involved as far as um, the the program of soccer within our town and right now he's the director of coaching okay. for the soccer club of Guilford. Um, he in years past won uh, coach of the year within Connecticut for CGSA which is uh, Connecticut Junior Soccer Association and he also won the um, the region one coach of the year for CGSA as well. Um, so big soccer family that's how kind of soccer originated but I also was a swimmer when I was growing up um, and yeah my brother he too is a very big soccer kid um, he knows the ins and outs of all the different teams, um, the subs of the subs. So he's very just well-rounded as far as soccer IQ. Okay. So, um, you know, you mentioned that you have such a big soccer background from mm -hmm. your family. So how much of that directly impacted you growing up as far as, like, you know, was your dad coaching you mm -hmm. and how long was he coaching Yeah, so my dad uh, coached me from the very beginning, starting at um, the youth levels and he quickly moved up to being my head coach for a very long time and um, I remember um, going to practice with him and then staying after and we would work on the different techniques that I needed to work on, my shooting, the strength of my shot. Um, so he had a big, big influence on my development throughout middle school and high school. Did he play the same position as you? Or? He, I, I believe he played forward and defense. Um, I'm a midfielder, but my dad's the type of person that can play really any position gotcha. that is thrown at him. So you said that you were a swimmer as well. Mm -hmm. So at what point did you realize swimming's not for me and I need to take soccer to the next level? Yeah. Um, so around um, later stages in middle school, um, I was practicing um, at the pool for about two and a half hours, and then later I would go to soccer practice. And obviously it was very difficult for me to give 100% to both, yeah. being that I was always so tired and swim practices every day as well as soccer. Um, so my mom really sat me down and really talked to me about what I wanted to focus on. And I mean, at that age, well, at a very young age, I did all different sports. And so they started narrowing down as I got older. But swimming and soccer were the two different, or the two um, sports that kind of lasted the longest. And ultimately, we chose soccer just because I, I enjoyed it a lot better, or a lot more. And it was, it was just the better decision for me. So switching over from athletics to academics, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, part of it was being able to have that spot on the roster, but mm -hmm. part of it is still you're here to get an education. Right. You have the three plus one. Right. Um, so what about academics uh, made you want to come here? Yeah, I definitely believe the three plus one program um, was the biggest incentive for me to come to the university. Obviously, having a grad degree is very marketable and having it within the four years especially can really land me a better job coming out of college and not having to pay the extra years of grad school to, to do so. Um, so ultimately, the three plus one program really was the defining factor in my academic decision. 
So why business management? What what about that industry kind of um, piqued your interest? Yeah. Um, so obviously I am um, the founder of the Community Integration Mentoring Program, CIMP. And throughout the years, I've really learned a lot about the nonprofit sector and different organizations within the New Haven area that do a lot for the community. Um, I was trying to decide my, my major from a relatively young age, freshman year, which um, was hard at first, and slowly I started um, limiting my options. But I, I do think I will be switching to business analytics soon, just because it's more stat-oriented, more data, data analysis. Um, and that I think will be most marketable. marketable. Um, but I did choose to do um, business management just because I would like to work in the nonprofit sector when I get older. Okay. And if anything, um, a business major and potentially an econ minor as I move on um, can help me in that, in that realm. Okay. So clearly you kind of have your plan set up for mm -hmm. beyond college. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of jumped to a question I was going to ask you later on, um, but what went into the you wanting to create CIMP? Yeah, um, so I actually um, started getting a lot, very involved within um, the New Haven Board of Education system, and I met Danielle Diaz, who is currently the the parent coordinator for the Board of Ed, as well as the um, founder, sorry, the president of Arte Inc., which is a nonprofit in New Haven that helps. Um, urban youth, specifically Latinos, to really learn about art culture and just the, the Latin culture in general. Um, so after talking with Daniel Diaz about, um, about different aspects within the city, he invited my family to attend an event that was focused towards the families that had just recently arrived from Puerto Rico after the hurricane. And in attending that event, I really realized um, a major social issue. Obviously, with these kids coming to the nation, they were new to the school system and some of them were new to the language. Um, this idea of being submerged into the school system without learning the language was not new to me, but specifically in this event, it made it a lot more evident to me. Um, so I then spoke to Danielle Diaz about doing something about this, how we could help these students, and he quickly, um, he quickly put me in contact with the principal at Fairhaven Middle School. Um, after meeting with Pr Principal Cordero from Fairhaven Middle School, um, he talked to me about the Saturday Academy that the, that the district already provided for their students. Essentially, it's um, an extracurricular program that is within Saturday mornings, Saturday afternoons, and these students are given a place to go and work on their math skills, um, English skills, interpersonal skills, um, and it's also a way for their parents to put them in a place where they know it's safe while they're at work. Um, so that's where CIMP is basically working within. So that's basically the gist as, as to why it started initially. And a little background is, as I mentioned before, I'm Colombian and Ecuadorian. So my mom's Colombian, my dad's Ecuadorian. But um, I grew up in East Haven. I was born here, but my first language is Spanish. And that wasn't because my parents didn't learn English or didn't know English. It was because they knew that once I was put into school, I would automatically be submerged within the English language culture and learn it. Um, as I mentioned before, I grew up in East Haven, so I was surrounded by people who spoke English and this was no problem for me to do. Um, but for the people that are specifically from Fair Haven, is, which is a sector within New Haven, um, it's very Latino-based. So if a student does not speak English and goes into the school system, um, they wouldn't have a problem with communicating with others just because their classmates, their teachers, everybody can speak Spanish. Um, so they're not really submerged into that culture. And that 
ultimately can have a huge impact on their development of English. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, when did it start for you? Like, what year did you really um, create it? Um, in 2017, the end of 2017, we started our meetings and everything, and then 2018 is when we actually started the session. So we started with only about six people, and I started it with my friends specifically just because it was a pilot study and I wanted to see how it would work out, so it would be easier to recruit my friends. Um, and my brother was actually my first mentor, uh, my brother Sergio, who is going to be a rising, or is a freshman right now at Guilford High School. And he, um, along with five other of my friends, would attend these sessions on a weekly basis. Um, we would uh, work with a select amount of students that the teachers put, picked out for us, and we would carry out the different lesson plans, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but later on, it quickly grew, and right now we're at about 50 active mentors, and we bring about 15 uh, students or mentors each session. Um, so we really have grown a lot, and it's really become very popular for a lot of these students. And actually, a lot of these students are using um, CIMP as their volunteer project, essentially, to show um, National Honor Society within the high school system, um, their involvement within the community. Gotcha. How old were you when you started this? I was a sophomore, so I actually started it as a capstone project. Okay. and. Um, so I didn't, I didn't necessarily do it for the capstone project, but it was a good way to get some school credit within the project that I already had in plan. Yeah. So trying to build something um, that was important to you mm-hmm. while still being able right. to get credit for it. Right. Okay. So go into a little more about, um, I know you said you are going to get to the it. Lesson the lesson plans and things Right. About. So um, basically CAMP is really focused on teaching all of these kids the importance of community involvement. So every project that we have has that idea in mind. Um, this past year, we, uh, we created this mat that's made out of plastic back material, and these mats are usually used by people who are homeless because they insulate heat and because they're durable. Um, but the students were able to learn how to crochet, how to fix the bags in a certain way, work on their teamwork skills, um, all in the process of also learning about uh, plastic bag pollution and homelessness awareness. So it was a good way for these students to, to do something about the things that they were learning within their, within their project. I think it's just insane. I know, like, I'm 20, and I, <laughs> it's kind of weird to be like, wow, like, how'd you do that so young? But it's like, to see the passion that you have for it is, is really just remarkable. Thank and how, um, So how have you been able to stay involved now that you're here? Yeah, so actually, really staying close to home was another thing that would help me continue CIMP. And I would like to, to make it a nonprofit at some point. Right now, we actually have been meeting with the students throughout the summertime and throughout um, the pandemic and the quarantine session, they were in school. So we have been keeping it, um, everything in, in the motions of, of CIMP. Um, during the pandemic, or during the quarantine session of the pandemic, we really focused on um, giving back to the people who are in need. So we did multiple different food drives, um, and we did um, the Grocery Project Initiative, which was basically connecting families who were willing to donate um, groceries to families in need in the greater New Haven area. Um, So as far as the food drives, we had um, Jenga FC and Everson Soccer Academy um, um, organize a food drive with us, and as well as the Soccer Club of Guilford, and also the class of 2020 at Guilford High School. So all these different groups are really involved in helping us get the word out and having people donate their, um, 
their groceries. And after this, we would give the groceries to Hope House in New Haven, which is um, it's a it's an organization that's starting up. But basically, they help um, homeless people by creating um, essentially a home for them to be during the day. Um, as you know. Um, as far as shelters, they do close at around 6 a.m. So at that point, everybody is basically told to, to leave. And during the day, they don't necessarily have a place to go. So during the wintertime, it can get really hard. So Hope House has created this center for them to wash their clothes, get um, counseling, um, get a meal. So this is where we were giving our food to. Gotcha. So how did all that, like, Obviously, during a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, it's probably 10 times harder on top of already being hard as it is. So how were you able to do that you know, while you were in quarantine and trying to get so many different organizations together yeah. to really put this? Yeah, no, so Danielle Diaz has been a huge help in, in really getting the word out about everything and getting the right contacts and giving me the right contacts. So he has been a tremendous help throughout this entire process. Danny put me in contact with Hope House, um, and I basically was the the medium for the communities that wanted to help to to have a location where they wanted to put their food in. Um, so CIMP was a collaborator between all of these different um, food drives and grocery initiatives. So um, I know you mentioned eventually creating a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So obviously. Um, being in school and running a nonprofit is probably not the easiest thing in the world. Um, so who are you looking towards to kind of like, um, I don't want to say hand the reins off to, um, but kind of like assist you as you um, continue your way through college? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have a leadership team that helps me a lot in um, finding new recruits within the high school and also just getting the word out to different people. Um, but my brother most most definitely is going to be the person that will be carrying this on. And obviously, I'm, I'm not going anywhere for any four years now, but I will definitely continue to be involved. Um, but Sergio, my brother, is really take, he's a part of the leadership, obviously, team. And so, as, well, as well, sorry, as Lauren Cyrus, um, Juan Salas, and Nick Salado. So them four have really been a huge help this year in, in just facilitating everything. And whenever I wasn't able to attend a session, they would obviously run it. Um, but they are seniors, juniors, and a freshman. So, and I also have many different liaisons um, within the middle school to help me recruit. Um, so this has been the main leadership team that has helped me to really um, continue this program. And if it wasn't for the mentors, um, this would never have been able to continue. Um, I really do thank everybody who has been so supportive and so involved in everything that CAMP has done. And um, the Guilford community specifically has been extremely supportive and um, the select men and all of the different restaurants and organizations within our town have really been super supportive in getting everything with CIMP out there. So it's obviously a big community effort to put that all together and I think that community it seems like it starts at home for you. Mm-hmm. So you said that your brother is the one that's gonna um, kind of follow up with you in the high school and then uh, he also had a big influence with you as far as soccer. So what is what does your relationship with your brother mean to you? No, my brother is very, very special to me. And yes, we have a very, very tight family. So within my family, it's my mom, my dad, my brother, and my grandmother. And all of them have been super supportive in everything that I've done. And we are a very loving family and we support each other and really back each other up with everything. We always attend our games. There's not a game that my parents don't miss as far as anything. 
um, any event, any concert that my brother has, um, we're always there as a, as a unit. So as we kind of get back towards um, school and your freshman year, like I said, Mm -hmm. it's a very different freshman year. Mm -hmm. Um, so what was it like for you to kind of navigate over the summer once you knew you were going here going into soar and all that kind of stuff and trying to um, get yourself acclimated when you really can't see anybody I know it's been very difficult and especially the the situation with the masks like just passing through the halls and passing through the campus you can't tell if somebody's smiling at you and I feel like that that specific idea is so hard to wrap yourself around because I mean it's as simple as a smile can get, go a very long way and knowing that that person's friendly that knowing that that person is someone that you might want to talk to um, so just not having that is, is a huge deal um, being a commuter has also had an impact on that as well um, obviously I do try to be on campus as much as I can with events and being on the soccer team has really allowed me to to be integrated within this community but ultimately um, it does have an impact as far as not having a roommate or not being exactly um, within the know of everything around people. Um, getting to meet people has been a little harder, but it's it's been doable as far as having hybrid classes. Yeah. So that has also been a very huge help. Um, so as, as you know how that works, like one day you attend classes and the other day you don't. Um, but the people that I have met in those classes have really helped me as far as having a point person to have questions and to ask those questions about the assignments that we have and creating those friendships has really made, um, has been made possible because of the hybrid situation. So, um, you know, kind of going from uh, the summer into now, and you kind of mentioned it already, Mm -hmm. um, but what did being on the soccer team do to help you since, like you said, you couldn't really tell if people were smiling at you and, um, it was hard to acclimate yourself and really make new friends. So how is being able to spend so much time with the women's soccer team? Yeah, absolutely. And I think all of them are so welcoming and that has been a huge point in, in feeling so so glad to be here. Um, so over the summer, I, we, we would have pickup games and um, like many practices, um, not oriented with the school or affiliated with the school, but it was a good way for people to meet up. And through that, I was able to meet a lot of the different um, people on the team and all of them being super nice and telling me um, the different things that I could look forward to at the university um, and the coaches and the coaching staff have been extremely welcoming and understanding as far as everything with COVID. Um, we have to wear masks during practice um, so that has also been unique in and of itself but um, ultimately the soccer team has been a great way to, to meet people that are older and within my own grade. Oh, so. It's kind of hard not to talk about the mask, but what is it like um, practicing for an hour, two it's hours? It's hard. With the it's hard, especially on conditioning days when we're just running. Um, it's it's nice having those little water breaks because that's the only time that you can really fully breathe, and especially on the hot days, it can get worse. But ultimately, everybody has to do it, and um, it's if this is the only way that we're going to be able to stay on campus for a lot longer, then it's it's what we have to do. So, um, obviously. There was, it was kind of up in the air for a while as to if we were going to play and how that was going to go about. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was your reaction when you found out that there weren't going to be um, sports this fall? I mean, obviously I was sad, um, but if, if that's what it takes to really slow the, pro- the progress of this pandemic, um, then that's what's needed. Um, 
have, not having a season is very sad, but so many people have been affected with COVID in such, such worse ways that we can't be complaining about it. So um, obviously there is the chance that there is um, a spring season. Mm-hmm. What do you think that transition is going to be like since um, high school mm-hmm. is typically in the fall as well, mm-hmm. but obviously if you're playing on a club team, you're kind of playing year-round. Right. So do you think it'll be um, an easy transition to be playing in um, February and March, or is it just something that you're used to already? I think it's going to be interesting just because obviously all of us are used to having a season right when we start school and having that environment of go, go, go and having games every couple days. But um, we have been training and I think that it'll help us be more fit later on. Um, just having the mask and being tra- and, and training in an environment that enables us to have less oxygen can really help us in the long run, I think. Um, so it's gonna be weird. It might be a little hotter than, than normal, but um, at least we're given hopes that there will be a season. Um, so do you think it'll be, um, what's the word I'm trying to use here? Do you think it'll be um, easier as a team to kind of develop your skills since you have a full semester to just work on building team chemistry? Or do you think not playing for this long um, will affect you in the long run? Um, I think as as I've seen in the past, so this past year as um, as a captain within my high school, I really saw the importance of having a strong friendship within the team. And that I think was the the factor that helped us go so far in the state championship and the SEC championship. Um, having the, the camp outs, having the bonfires, the pool parties, all that really just helps to build that team chemistry. And ultimately it helps you to be able to communicate with them on the field a lot quicker and not feel bad about telling them something and um, feeling that you can tell them whatever and them not being offended or anything. And it's a lot easier to hold people accountable um, if you're friends with them. Um, so I think that right now, as far as getting to know all the girls, it's really important that we're, we're getting to know each other as people first and not just as players. And I think that that's what this fall is giving us the chance to do. So getting to know your teammates off the field is really important and you mentioned kind of the stuff that's um, really awesome about high school sports is like the bonfires and Mm -hmm. things like that Um, what you're doing when you're not playing Mm -hmm. Um, so what have you guys been able to do obviously it's been limited due to the Mm -hmm. pandemic but what have you been able to do off the field to kind of build that chemistry with each other yeah so off the field um, there are a lot of limited things that we could do but on the field um, we are divided into small group settings so it really does develop that idea of of developing those personal connections rather than the whole group being together all at once and only getting um, to know someone barely. Um, so I think that the idea of the small group settings can really help us to, to have our little groups, have our um, knowledge of those specific people, and then little by little we'll be increasing the amount of people that are within our groups and that can help us ultimately to be a stronger team. So do you think this kind of helped you or hurt you as far as academics like transitioning to school and not playing the semester as opposed to being thrown into games and classes for the first time um it's definitely weird i'm used to having a super busy schedule all the time and especially during the fall like it's ridiculous as as far as the amount of work that they give us in high school and having games every couple days Um, in college everybody expected 
to have a really busy schedule. And I mean, as a person that's taking six classes right now, everybody told me that it's gonna be ridiculous even having soccer on top of that. Um, right now it's very doable, I would say. Uh, it depends on the major, obviously. But um, I think that having that time to really adjust yourself and especially everything with COVID, it would be a lot more beneficial for us freshmen to, to have that sort of scenario rather than um, being thrown into the season with COVID and with everything and not knowing what to expect. So um, obviously you're used to having a busy schedule and you know it's not to say that you're not busy because six classes mm -hmm. is definitely hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, so what have you been doing in your um, kind of spare time just to like keep your head up and just keep yourself mm -hmm. busy and things like that? Yeah, um, obviously everything is kind of scheduled out in its day, so I, I don't necessarily have that much free time. Um, but at night, when my family, we all watch TV, that's a, that's a way for me to decompress, um, listening to music, listening to podcasts in the car. Um, I, am, I recently bought my car, so I didn't necessarily have a car throughout high school, so it's been really nice to just play music in the car by myself and, and just listen to that, and that's been a huge decompressor for me. So what is your go-to um, kind of vibe, just to put you in the mood? <laughs> um, so uh, reggaeton okay. and champeta, which is, um, it's a very, it's a music that's very specific to the coastal region in Colombia, and it's um, slowly spreading to the rest of the country, but um, my mom's from the coast, so when we go there, that's yeah. what a lot of people listen to. Um, but those are the two main um, types of like, songs that I've listened to. <laughs> Um, as far as TV, mm -hmm. um, what's kind of like your family's go-to? Like, we have to be at the TV at this time. Um, okay. Um, so, during the summer, we were watching um, Casa de Papel, which is Money Heist on Netflix. Okay. Um, so, it's a show that's from Spain, and actually my cousin from Spain introduced us to that show. And we were hooked to it. We watched so many episodes during the day, or during the night. Um, but right now, my family is watching a novela, which... Um, in English, it would translate to telenovel or um, a soap opera. Um, but specifically, these types of soap operas from Colombia aren't necessarily super dramatic. Um, this is one that's telling the life of uh, an artist within the country and um, his life and how he develops. So it's really, it's it's an enjoyable novela because it has music and people just break out into to like different songs and different like concerts so it's not so much of a dramatic show than anything else gotcha. it's real life yeah so um obviously you have that you mentioned podcasts so mm -hmm. um what kind of stuff do you like to listen to what's your like is there a specific genre of podcasts or is it just one that you got hooked on one specific. I started listening to the Michelle Obama podcast recently okay. and um, it's been really interesting just having so many people that she's um, interacted with throughout her life to come on and, and basically um, relate back to the years that they were together and, and how that had an impact on her life and ultimately how that helped her be a more well-rounded person within the pre her husband's presidency. Okay, so culture obviously played a role in that and the culture shock of moving from East Haven to Guilford. Mm -hmm. um, what does your heritage mean to you? My heritage is very important to me. I think that um, it will always be something that's a part of me, and I think that with everything I do, um, my background and my my upbringings will always have an impact on my decision making. Um, 
my grandmother has been a huge influence in that as well. She's Colombian, and um, the food, the the songs, the music taste, the the Christmas um, festivities, like you mentioned. So we in Colombia do something called novenas, which are nine days prior to Christmas. We celebrate for each night, doing prayer, doing. Um, food celebration with your whole family so how it works is every family hosts for a certain night and everybody shows up so I think that is my favorite part of Christmas and that is probably the favorite part of my culture as well just because it's so family oriented and it's so um, happy in in everything that it does specifically in Colombia um, and the coast, uh, everybody's so carefree, everybody's so happy, and it's just a completely different environment. Um, yeah. I actually, my plan was after Thanksgiving, uh, being that we're going to be online, my plan was to go to Colombia and stay with my um, grandma, who's right now stuck in Colombia wow. just because of COVID, and just do my online classes from there, uh, just because I would be home anyways, so it would be a fun thing to do. It, yeah. it would be the only chance for me to ever do that. Um, but we do visit Colombia every year, so it, it was really weird not going this year. Yeah. Um, so do you think that, um, well, actually, what has that been like, um, mm-hmm. not being able to go down there and see your grandma and yeah. do something that you've done, seems like, every year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's been very weird, and I feel terrible for my grandmother, who is a very active person, who is a very um, well-known person around her city, and not being able to leave her apartment. So in Colombia, it's a lot more strict. Um, people have their designated days to go to the grocery store based on their last digit in their ID. And if they go on the day that's not designated to them, they do, they're fined or they're um, penalized in some sort of way. Wow. Um, even if you do go to the grocery store, you are completely sanitized. The bottoms of your shoes are dipped in alcohol. Um, so people are really taking this seriously as they should um, to prevent more deaths within their, within their city specifically within Santa Marta, which is the city in Colombia where my family's from, or my mom's from, um, they don't have the, the infrastructure isn't strong enough to really hold up a community that is completely sick. So they really have to prevent as much exposure as possible. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned before, so my grandmother is very, very involved. So not being able to leave her apartment since a couple weeks, a couple months before we weren't able to, and all this time being closed up is just beyond, it's it's crazy to imagine. Um, she is a person who, actually recently she um, was touching up on her, um, her iguana sanctuary. So many years ago she created a sanctuary for iguanas that is right across her apartment house because um, originally they would walk from the canal to the apartment pool. And in doing so, lots of the motorcycles or the cl- their cars would um, run them over. So to really prevent that, she created a sanctuary for them um, with little, a little goon and um, information for people to learn about um, iguanas and the different types and the importance of them for the ecosystem. And it's a very touristic place as well. So it really gave another, um, gave tourists a place to go and to really bring more um, revenue into the, into the city. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so clearly, uh, your family has had a big influence on mm-hmm. you, but your family seems to have had a big influence on everyone around them, mm-hmm. trying to like um, give back and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, 
You mentioned, obviously, before when I asked you about your culture, um, what else about your culture kind of um, stands out to you that we haven't talked about yet? Um, let me think. Um, mm, I think something that is kind of funny to mention. So within my town in Guilford, we are probably one of the couple... Um, Hispanic families within our area. So a lot of my friends um, love coming over to eat our food and actually four or three of my neighbors who have become some of my best friends have um, made a ritual of coming over to eat arepas, which are, um, it's difficult to describe, but they're made out of cornstarch and they can be fried, they can be like grilled, um, but this was always just so enlightening for them and it was crazy for my grandmother to have to teach them how to do it and they were just so excited to do that and I think that mentioning that can really show how involved my family is in really bringing that sort of culture within our town and my mom especially has been someone who has been tremendously involved in everything that we do and ultimately that has an impact on how the community sees us as a family. So what is one thing that's um, really impressed you or something that you're really proud of um, that you and everyone that's a part of CIMP has been able to accomplish? Yeah, so this past year, um, CIMP has been recognized on many different platforms and thankfully um, it has really showcased the the level of passion and all of the work that we've put into this over the years. Um, recently, our group was awarded by the DAR, which is the Daughter of American Revolutions, um, CJSA, uh, Connecticut Junior Soccer Association, um, Points of Light Award, and finally, uh, the Prudential Spirit Award, which is the largest um, youth volunteer award within the nation. So each state picks one high schooler and one middle schooler to represent the state within um, DC. Everybody goes to DC and we have a big week-long event where people are able to interact and really talk about their programs and talk about their community involvement and finally talk to different people that are within the sectors of nonprofit. and this year we actually were able to talk with Kristen Bell who is um, the voice of Elsa and Frozen, and she's also a part of many other different shows and movies, but um, she was the guest speaker, and it was really great talking to her about all her charity involvement, and really talking about how it is a big, um, it's a big business, um, which is something to wrap your wrap your mind around, just because lots of times we get into community involvement just out of the, the kindness of our heart. Um, but ultimately this is something that is a business and ultimately it's something that people make money off of so it needs to be profitable Uh, but we had to obviously do this all online because of COVID but it was ultimately a really great experience to be a part of it and to represent um, all of the mentors and all the people in my community and Connecticut as a whole within this um, within this event. Uh, I know you mentioned before we started um, There's something about like your family, something that your family does that you want to talk about. Yeah, so my family, uh, from a very young age, my mom participated in capoeira, which is a Brazilian martial arts. And she did it um, before she was pregnant with me, and slowly my brother and I and my dad ultimately became super involved within the capoeira community. Um, Efraim Silva, which is um, the mestre, which is the, the master within um, our, our center for Capoeira. He is based out of New Haven. Um, 
but I know that he actually just recently made the decision to move to Florida, and we are so happy for him, but um, he will be greatly missed. But he has been a huge contributor to to the New Haven community, specifically the Yale community, because so many people have learned about capoeira, the Brazilian culture. Um, Capoeira is a mixture of martial arts, acrobatics, music, so really submerging the people from this area into into, um, capoeira as a whole. So he was actually the first one to bring capoeira into Connecticut. Um, So it's a very big deal that he is now moving on, but um, obviously we're very happy for him. But um, because of that, my family was able to learn Portuguese slowly, and my dad um, is pretty much fluent, and my mom is as well. Um, But it's been a great way to learn about the music and the culture and just everything about it. Thank you, Gabriella, for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Ethan. Of course. And um, just thank you for allowing everyone to get to know you a little better and joining the first episode of Meet the Chargers is really awesome. So thank you for being here. Um, Thank you for watching. I'm Ethan Cardona, and this is Meet the Chargers.